0: Today I want to talk about, um, well, I'll try and do an inductive introduction. How's that? Does anyone remember, Val's in the room, what 1986 was the year of? Does anyone put in, put in the chat, if you remember, you know, they have the year of this and the year of that and year of something else. 1986 was the year of, of what? Melissa had something. You were 10. You're not that young. 1986, I remember it, but I don't remember this. I was in high school, I think. It was a year of peace. How could you not remember that? It's so important. A lot of other people didn't remember it, evidently, even in that year. Because I'm not sure how successful it was, because here's some of the news headlines from 1986. May 14, violence spreads in Sri Lanka. 150 people killed. May 19, Muslims battle in the West Beirut. October 1st, Israel attacks the PLO base. 60 people killed. And I remember, actually, the one thing I do remember from that year was Colonel Gaddafi, no? President Reagan bombed Colonel Gaddafi in Libya in the year of peace. Back to Jesus' day in the first century, even the pagans of the first century, so the non-Christian guys of the first century, sensed this need for peace. A guy called a pick up E pick Epictetus. That's the best I can pronounce it, sorry. Epictetus. Anyway, some guy back then, first century pagan writer he was, he expressed this, while the emperor may give peace from war and land and sea, he is unable to give peace from passion, grief and envy. He cannot give peace of heart for which many yearn for more than even outward peace. And you know, my attention was drawn to, you know, when Jesus was born, and the angels showed up. What did they say? Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. Hey, Jesus came with goodwill. Did you realize that? He didn't come to condemn us. He didn't come to judge us. He came with goodwill and to bring peace. My definition from the Bible this morning, from the Greek word in the New Testament, from peace, means this, i will come up on your screen, to join or bind together that which has been separated. Hey, what a cool definition. To join or bind together that which has been separated. So this morning I want to talk about making peace. Making peace with God, making peace with ourselves, and making peace with other people. Are you in? Because our world hasn't got any more peaceful since 1986, if you've noticed. Actually, I think it's probably gone backwards a bit. And so, you know what, being a Christian, is not always about the circumstances changing, it's about us changing. How good is that? God knows that mankind is still debating about peace and how to bring it. But God also knows that only Jesus could bring peace, and so he did. Because he knows for peace to come, that Jesus had to come first. So my first point this morning is, Jesus' surrender. So Jesus' surrender to the Father's will means that I can have peace. In other words, he made it possible. It was impossible for me to have peace before Jesus came. And our verse for this is in Colossians 1, 19 and 20, and it says this, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, talking about Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross In now for this week last Wednesday we we're talking about why the cross well, what was so important about the cross well, I just wanted to focus in on one thing that happened for us and is available for us because Jesus died on the cross and as was this very thing here by making peace he made peace made it possible for us to have peace with God peace with ourselves and peace with others because of his death on the cross through his death on the cross, Jesus made peace between us and God, the price that needed to be paid for our rebellious attitude. We all have them, don't we? Hey, you know what? Sometimes people just turn off when you say the word sin these days, but I tell you what, we can identify with a rebellious attitude. Just go somewhere where someone tells you what to do. Oh, <laughs> you're not telling me what to do. Hey, that's why Jesus died. That thing right there. That rebellious attitude, I won't be told. And it caused Jesus, the only way that thing could be fixed was that Jesus come and Jesus died on the cross so that peace could be made, a bridge could be made between us and God. The price that needed to be paid for our rebellious attitude, he paid. He, his death on the cross became the bridge across the divide between us and God. He made it possible for us to connect with God again. Have you ever had something happen for you that you could not have made happen yourself. Oh, man, I've had heaps of those things happen. One that came to mind was uh, 1992, many eons ago. Um, I was on the Salvers to Solvership School as a student, and, and as that year progressed, by the end of that year, I just wanted to do ministry. I used to be an electrician. I didn't know what was in, in store for me at the end of that year, but I developed such a heart for God and people in that nine months, so I just wanted to do ministry. I had no idea how that was going to happen. And then this guy called Ray Heron sat me down one day and said, "Would you it took him forever to invite me. Would you like to, I think he thought I was going to say no. He said, would you like to become a ministry assistant at school? My first ministry job that I ever had. And man, I was just saying, hurry up and finish this. I want to say, hurry up and finish this sentence because I already want to say yes. But I couldn't have made that happen. He had to open the way for me. Ray had to open the way for me. You know what? We cannot make peace with God or anyone else or with ourselves. Jesus was the only one who could make that happen. That's why, you know what, stone me if you want, but there's only one way to God. There's only one way to get peace, and that's through Jesus. He is the only way. It's about time, Christians, we stood up and we said it, and we said it boldly because everyone else is looking for different ways, and they say, you can find your own way or this way or that. No, the Bible very clearly says there is one way. And his name is Jesus. He said, I am the way. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so Jesus died, gave his life so that we could have peace with God. Leads me to my second point. <laughs> Jesus' surrender is awesome. Hey? We love it when other people surrender. But what about my surrender? This is where we get real anxious. My surrender means I can receive that peace. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Yeah, that word there, perfect peace, in the Hebrew, it means peace, peace. Shalom, shalom. Perfect peace. Not just peace, a double dose of peace. Peace like you'll never find anywhere else. Whose minds are steadfast. The word here, steadfast, in other translations is stayed. It means to lean on, to focus on. The word comes from the root to prop, to prop up, has the idea to lean upon or take hold of, establish or uphold. In other places, the same word translated sustained or upheld or being established. Is your mind established on God or on a bunch of other junk? Because when we fill our minds with junk, we wonder why we get anxious. When we focus on the wrong thing, we wonder why we get anxious. But when we focus on God, this is what this verse is saying. You have perfect peace. You have peace, peace. You have shalom, shalom, if your mind is steadfast and stayed on God. Can I ask you these questions? What sustains your mind? What do you lay your mind upon? What upholds your mind? What does your mind stand fast upon? You know, what? I woke up the other morning and often anxious thoughts come, sure it's just the enemy. That's why we don't like to be still because as soon as we're still, we get flooded with all kinds of things that are unpleasant. And I just made a conscious choice. I'd slept past my six o'clock kind of Derek Prince time. And so, you know what, I know how to access him through my phone. And he was um, on hearing God's voice. I'd been prompted a number of days. I kept sleeping in and missing my six o'clock Derek Prince. He was actually talking on hearing God's voice. And, you know, it's a subject I've read and taught for years. But I just felt prompted to stick this on. And, you know, he'd been through a few days. So I started probably day four or five some of the best teaching I've ever heard on hearing God's voice, ever. But you know what happened in my mind? It went from anxious thoughts to peace because my mind shifted from what I was worrying about to being steadfast on the things of God. And so if we can get our minds stuck on and steadfast on the things of God, then we can have peace. The next part of that is, because they trust in you. You know why we don't surrender? Because we don't trust. It's that simple. If you trust someone, yeah, it's easy to surrender to them. The phrase, because he trusts in you, is another way of expressing the idea of keeping your mind stayed on him. Almost always we keep our minds stayed on whatever we are trusting. Often our own ability. Don't know about you, but my own ability brings me heaps of anxiety. But if I can get my mind off me And unto God, things can change. It's a similar word here in Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. You might know the verse, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. It's the same kind of, it's come from the same word in the Hebrew, the lean not as in stayed. So don't be steadfast on your own understanding. Be steadfast on God's word and who he is. Does that make sense? So Proverbs 3, I've said that. When we trust in the Lord, we do not lean on our own understanding. To lean on the Lord is to trust Him. And I want to just push out this whole focus on God and trusting Him thing, right? Because number one, to give our lives to Him. Talks about faith. Talks about trust. We've got to trust God that He loves us, that Jesus was real, that He actually died, that He rose again, that He can not only save me from my mess here on earth, but he can save me for all eternity, that I can have a peace when I die, that I'll be with him forever. Hey, that's trust, that's faith. But I want to put you even a little bit further this morning and go, can I trust God that what he says about me is real? Because what I've learned studying psychology is sometimes our biggest problem of not being able to have peace in ourselves is that I'm actually fractured within. Within. You know, coming back to my um, definition of peace, to be joined or bind together that which has been separated. You know what? Sometimes we're separated within ourselves. And I think that's why we don't have peace. Because there's a part of us that we're not okay with. Maybe it's how we look or our personality, or a gift God's given us that we don't want to use. And so we try to suppress it, and we try to bury it. And therefore, within ourselves, we become incongruent, which is the opposite of peace. And I believe that if we set our mind on God, not only trust Him for our salvation, but trust His Word in regards to who we are, and who He's called us to be, and who He's making us, we will find those those fractured parts come together. And we'll actually find peace with ourselves. Does that make sense? I actually think that's quite profound. And I think that if we can, you know, if we can just do that, if we can say, Jesus, I agree with you. I agree with you with how you made me look. Yeah, and I look awesome. I look how you wanted me to look. I agree with you. And here's just a little example. Yeah, I'm getting really excited about getting old because no one's going to judge me for going slow. Because I've been judged my whole life for going slow. You know what? God made me to go slow. And I'm okay with it. I've become okay with it. You know why? Because I can sit with people for hours and listen and minister and bring the love of God. And that's how God wired me to be. How dare anyone judge that? And so... The same for you, that very thing that people judge about you is possibly why God has made you to bring change to this world. How dare people judge that? And it's time, friends, that we made peace with who God made us to be, how He made us look, who He made us to be, our personality, our giftings. God made you a specific way not to be like anybody else. You know what? The world tells you we all have to be the same. What a lot of rubbish. God made us to be different. God made us to be unique. And it's time, friends, it's time we made peace with that. So that the judgments of other people just are like water off a duck's back. It's really interesting, you know, the, You know what keeps the water off a duck's back? Oil and its feathers. Friends, it's about time we had a bit of oil of the Holy Spirit, revelation of the Word of God that makes judgments like water off a duck's back. Get some oil, friends. Get some revelation of God's word about who you are, whether it's Psalm 139, whether it's some, you know, I love the story of David. It resonates with who I am, that he had a heart after God, you know, and work out who you are in God and who he's called you to be and make peace with yourself, not just by becoming a Christian and in relationship with God, but by accepting Um, who you are when we become a christian that we become sons and daughters of the king and making peace with ourselves because my third point is my surrender means i can live out that peace you know what if i'm not at peace with myself i'm not going to be at peace with other people because you know what i find people that aren't at peace with themselves always looking for a fight they're always looking for a fight because there's turmoil within and jesus said from the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks there's going to be turmoil without Does that make sense? So when we make peace with God, when we make peace with ourselves, we've got a much better chance of making peace with others. My verse here, and this verse actually can go over the whole message today, but I want to draw it out specifically for this point. 1 Peter 3.11, I'm speaking from the Amplified Version. Let him turn away. This is um, Peter talking about how to live a Christian life in the midst of suffering, mind you. Um, Let him turn away from wickedness and shun it, and let him do right. Let him search for peace, harmony, undisturbedness from fears, agitating passions, and moral conflicts. So, you know, anyway, you get it. And seek it eagerly. Do not merely desire peaceful relationship with God, with your fellow man and with yourself, but pursue, go after them. And I want to draw out that point there. It says, just like I said today, with relations with God, your fellow man and with yourself. What Peter's doing he actually, he's quoting Psalm 34. This was David, actually, when he was afflicted. <laughs> David suffered a lot of affliction. In one of those times, he wrote Psalm 34, and he says this in Psalm 34, very similar. This is an NIV translation. Whoever would love life and see good days. You want to love life and see good days? You must keep your tongue from evil and the lips from deceitful speech. You know one of the best ways to keep peace with other people? Just shut up. Sometimes we just need to shut up. Seriously, and a lot of conflict will just go. A lot of conflict will just go. So it says it there. You know, it says that not my translation might be shut up, but it says here, must keep their tongue from evil. You got some criticism? Keep it to yourself. And their lips from deceitful speech. You know, best way to wreck a relationship? Start lying. Best way to fix a relationship? Get honest. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. Not just seek it, not just hope it comes, but pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Sobering, isn't it? For me, this picture and instruction is to repent. Turn from evil. Turn. Turn. We turn away from evil and we turn to good. We turn to peace. Not only do we turn away from evil and turn towards peace, we seek it. So instead of doing the wrong thing, I turn around and I seek God and I seek peace and I pursue peace. The word seek means to try and learn where something is or try to find as a searching for what is lost. To try and learn where something is. Do you you seek peace? Or you just blame your circumstances that you don't have any? I actually actually think a lot of us don't seek peace. We actually have to seek it. We have to learn where it is and how to find it. The word pursue means speaks of an intensity of effort. There you go. (laughs) That's convicting, isn't it? An intensity of effort. It's not passive. It's active. We've got to pursue peace. Leading to a, a, um, to pursue things with earnestness and diligence in order to lay hold of it. To seek and pursue peace means I seek to have peace with God in every area of my life, peace with God, peace with myself, and peace with others. As I said, it's not active. It's pa- sorry, it's not passive. It's active. It means I need to do something. You know, what I've learned lately that if I get triggered by someone's behavior, there's a possibility it's because I'm trying to change them, not accepting them. I want you just to think about that for a minute. When's the last time someone pushed your buttons? I have a theory these days, and I'm not sure, it's just my theory, that um, if someone pushes our buttons because we haven't accepted them for who they are, and we want them to change, you know what, you can't change anyone. So why don't you just accept them for who they are? And you might find they don't push their buttons anymore. See, what's the opposite of surrender? Control. What's control cause? Anxiety. See, I think there's a vicious circle that fear creates control, and control creates anxiety or creates fear. And we just need a spiral of control and fear, and control and fear. And so then we surrender. What do we get? Oh, Peace. See, and I think we need to surrender sometimes our relationships to God. And say, you know what, God, I'm not going to try and change that person anymore. Because you know what I've always found? Is when I surrender the relationship to God, He changes the person. (laughs) Because it wasn't my job to change them in the first place. It was my job to show them God's love and God's acceptance. And often when a person feels loved and acceptance, they let God in and He does all the changing. And I want to just make a side note here that it's not peace at any price. You know, I can love and accept people, but sometimes I need to be distant from them because they're dangerous to me. So I'm not saying you know, bring everyone in your lounge room and love and accept all their behaviours. Absolutely not. And it's not saying we shouldn't have consequences in our society for people to do the wrong thing. It's not saying that either. What it's just saying that in our personal relationships, particularly with our brothers and sisters in the Lord, that we, just, um, we love and accept them for who they are. And then that will bring peace into our relationships. And as that peace comes, you know what, there's more likelihood if someone is in the wrong, they will change. The other thing is sometimes we, we, we refuse to accept people just for who they are. It's their personality. They're not actually doing anything right or wrong. They're just different. And instead of trying to change them, we just need to accept them. When I'm at peace with God and at peace with myself, I have a much better chance of being at peace with others. And I always remember... You know what Paul said in Romans when he said, "As far as it is up to you, live at peace with all men." Yeah, you know, some people don't want to live at peace with you. Some people don't want to accept the peace of God and make peace with themselves. And you know, well, that's okay. But as far as it's up to me, I need to make sure that I'm at peace with God. I'm in a healthy relationship with Jesus. That I'm at peace with myself. That I've come into agreement with God about who I am, and that I at least offer peace. And bring peace in all my relationships. Yeah, you know, I love the story of Jesus as he rode into Jerusalem. Yeah, you know what they didn't really have a clue back then, and we probably wouldn't today either. But when Jesus came into Jerusalem, he didn't come on a horse. You know, I think that if they thought about, it, they wanted him to come on a horse because a horse represented a king coming to declare war and to bring battle and to try and win a victory. And they wanted Jesus to be a political leader and to over, you know, overthrow the Roman rule. But Jesus came on a donkey. You know what the donkey represents? Two things. One's really interesting. It was just a common animal. Just common. You know, it represents that Jesus came to us at our level. You want to connect with people? Ride a donkey, not a horse. Come on their level. And you'll connect with people. The second thing it represented was peace. Jesus came in peace. You know what, why they didn't ride donkeys into war? They, they say they're stubborn. Actually, not so much stubborn as a, a bit fearful. And, and, and so Jesus rode this donkey. He, was, he wasn't coming um, to declare war on us or condemn us. He was coming to bring peace. He was coming in peace. And I believe he still does. He comes to connect with us. He comes in peace. He's, you know what? Jesus is not trying to pick a fight with you. I see a lot of people trying to pick a fight with Jesus. Jesus is not trying to pick a fight with you. He comes in peace. He comes to connect. As we saw in the beginning, the definition of peace is to join or bind together that which has been separated. Jesus wants to join and bind together us with God, us with ourselves, and us with our brothers and sisters in the Lord. This morning, if you're separated from God today, Jesus died so that through him, you could become reconnected to God. If you're separated from yourself today, if you don't know who you are, Jesus died so that in relationship with him, you can discover who he has made you and called you to be. If you are separated from people today, Jesus died so that you can, at very least, do your part, as far as it is up to you, to live at peace with all men. Let's reflect on these things that have been discussed this morning um, as we just meditate on the, on the song that's about to play. And um, I just pray, Holy Spirit, speak to us in the areas that we need to be spoken to. And may we hear you this morning as we spend some time in reflection.